Welcome to another edition of Slaying Your Giants. We have a, a very interesting episode for you today. Thank you all for, for making your way here and finding the time to listen. We just want to start out with a, a little prayer. I try to be led by the Spirit when I can and as much as I can, and I'm led to pray this today. So our guest today is Danny Rockmore. She's a survivor of addiction as well as domestic abuse. She's a plus-size fashion designer, actress, and a model. And I know Danny is in agreement with me on this prayer. And I know you guys in the listening audience are in agreement with me. So right now, we'll just go into this. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus to give thanks for all you're doing in our lives, Father. Thank you for the mighty long way that you have brought us. We Choose today hope and encouragement. We choose today faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today I choose the light over the darkness. I trust in you, Father. Even though at times everything around me seems to be an impossible mess, I trust in you. To bring me out. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love and your mercy. And may your will be done in all our lives. Our guest today is Miss Danny Rockmore. And I'd like you all to welcome Danny to the show. Hello, Danny. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure and and we just know this would be would be a great episode and and I just appreciate you agreeing to provide some inspiration and encouragement to our listeners. Thank you. Let me let, Well, I I appreciate that and I I want to uh to just start off by kind of setting the the scene here. Where where are you from, and where were you raised, and and that kind of thing? Tell me about your home life. I was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina, born and raised by both of my parents. Um, I am the youngest and the only girl of two older brothers. Okay. Where the the age difference is is very very big. Uh, my Two older brothers. It, one is uh, ten years older than me, and the other was fifteen years older than me. Um, my oldest brother, he just recently uh, was murdered two years ago. Oh um, no! So now it's just me and my uh, middle brother left. Well, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And our mother had passed away in 2009, so it's the only one that's left is myself. My father and my uh, last sibling. So, so now, where did y'all grow up? We grew up right here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. 
born and raised. <laughs> I didn't move away until I became an adult. Okay, and, and so now, okay, what was your home like? Home life um, like? Uh, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My father is a deacon. And my mother, she has always been in the church. Always. She was a deaconess. She was the president of Daughters of Zion. Everything. So I grew up in a Christian home. Okay. Very well with my grandparents, my parents. You know, we would we were the type of family. You know how they would say, you know, the first thing in the church and the last thing to leave. Yes, yes. So we were that type of family there every Tuesday, every Saturday, every Sunday. So I grew up in a Christian household. Well, praise God for that. And and so you had a a fairly normal Christian upbringing. And yes, yes, I did. That's, I, I, and I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, yes, thank, sure thanks I to mean, you. We, we had the regular, you know, everything, every family goes through their normal ups and downs. Sure. We had those regular things, but it was most of the part. It was a good Christian home. Um, my parents, they did everything for us. We didn't want for anything, and they, they instilled certain values in us. Yes. That they had within themselves, of course, from my grandparents and you know their parents on both sides. Sure, sure, and see, and 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 I know what that kind of raising is. I, I I know it's solid and it's based, you know, in the spirit. And you were introduced to God and our Father at a at a young age, and I think all of that is positive. Yes, and is it. Okay, and so uh, uh, you you got through school, and you know we we kind of uh, have made uh, kind of spread out a little more. We we have guests on uh, talking about all kind of addictions, but it's such a serious problem uh, nowadays with domestic violence uh, that. Well, and I, I I just read your story, and and I just think uh, you know we could use our platform to to encourage somebody. Uh, I know also that addiction is involved in your life, but yes, it was addiction and domestic violence, and I actually experienced that right after leaving high school. At the age of uh, 18, 19, it was an older guy. Um, and, you know, by me being young, um, when you're young like that, you don't really know too much. Even though you're taught, you can be prepared, taught and being prepared for it. But until you actually get into the situation, you never know how it's going to come about. So um, the thing is, uh, the guy that I had met with, he was older. When I met him, you know, everything was fine. Everything was good. And we're kind of sort of come from the same background. Okay. So you, when you, when you meet someone from the same background, you're not even thinking that they're okay. They're going to be this way or they're going to, you, you, you take the word of what they portray themselves to be and hope that they are being honest with you. But after a certain period of 
that time, a lot of things started changing. And being that he was a few years older than me and I was young, and see, I'm a young girl getting out of high school. I had already had got me a car, had my own apartment. I was working. So, you know, I'm doing everything that's, you know, it's very rare to see a lot of young girls doing that type of thing and, you know, not having children and everything. So I, I was doing that, and I came in contact with him, and it's just, I don't know what happened, um, but it's just one day, it's just like it just did a whole 360, and the person that I knew was not him. He became someone else. Well, and i tell you something that I hear is, uh, you know, at that point, 18 and 19, you you were, uh, sound like a pretty solid young lady. I mean, you had... Yes, because I've always, I always seen my parents work. Both of my parents worked until my mother got sick and she retired. But my father, he still worked. They've always taught us, see, I had a job in school as well. Okay. They've always taught us if you, if, you know, if you want to earn something in life, you want to have something in life, you got to work for it. That's right. So that was what... That was what I was taught. So, of course, I had a job. So, I knew when I became 18, you know, of course, I wanted to be on my own. But I knew in order for you to have an apartment, you have to have a job because you had to pay beef bills. Right. Right. Well, that. You had to have all those things together. Well, and that, see, and the point I'm making is, is I think this can happen to almost anybody. It can. Because you, you weren't, like, down and out and. And, and no. you know, you were just a young lady uh, looking for love like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, it sounds like you got with the, with the wrong guy. So. I got with the wrong guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think also with me looking back on everything, I think it's, uh, from him knowing he's seen how I was, that was the way for him to prey on my weakness because it didn't start immediately we were together for about two and a half years almost three years it didn't start immediately it didn't even start to begin the first year okay so i think that was his way of okay i'm going to display myself as something else so by the time i do what i need to do or do whatever to her she will fall far in because she's a young girl and I think that's what his mindset was with that. And he knew that I was a hard worker. He knew I was, you know, he, he just knew. He knew what family I came from. Well, do you do you feel like as you look back on it, uh, there were warning signs? Uh... Yes, there was. It was just me being young and naive and didn't pay attention to it. And wanting something... You know how you, you see some people, you know, they have some good and bad in them, but you always want to go towards more of the good in hopes that they would, you know, the bad would change or go away. But, you know, I had to realize, you know, me, myself, I could change him. He had to change himself. Sure. You got that right. So that was one of my problems. And I just ignored the obvious sign. Because I was still looking for the goodness in it. Okay, and so uh, did he drink or uh, he was a drug abuser or any of that? He was a drug addict, cocaine, 
And I didn't even know how I found out was when I came home one day from work. By this time, he wasn't working. So when I came home from work one day, and I happened to go in my house, and I'm seeing all these different kinds of white stuff and all this stuff on the car on the uh, counter. Mm. And you know me, you know I, me being young, I'm like, okay, well, what is all this flour doing up here? I'm gonna <laughs> clean it everything up. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. So I'm finna clean. I thought he had just dropped the container because I had a container where I keep flour in. Right. So I thought that spilled. So I'm finna clean everything up, and he comes running out screaming no no don't do that and i'm like what is going on and so again at, by this time things had already took a toll for the the other side and he had already showed he had already then hit me and everything like that so i'm like so this is what you've been doing this is what's wrong with you you know you gotta stop this but you know it just became into more fights when I tried to help him, it was just more fights, more fights, more fights, more fights. So I'm like, okay, I have to find something or figure something out to get to him, to keep him from, for one, putting his hands on me, and two, to try to help him get off his stuff or get rid of it. But it seemed like every little thing that I did, it would agitate him or he, he would want to fight and see. By that time, okay, I said, if I start with him, and do it maybe he, he will stop beating me so much maybe i won't have to go to bed tonight with him strangling me and me waking up maybe this will help something you mean you know, you, the only thing to help you is to leave i did not that didn't trigger in my mind at that time you mean to tell me you you were thinking about doing the drugs to to pacify the man bad is if, okay, because I work so I still had bills to pay. He wanted to get high with the bill money. Sure. And everything. I wasn't going to do that. I still had to say, no, we can't do that. We're going to be sitting on the road. It's too cold outside. No. But his, in his mind, he's like, no, I got to get high. I got to get high. So he would beat me. Okay, you're going to beat me till I, I'm going to, basically in his mind, I'm going to beat you till you give me the money. Hmm. Wow. And that's what he did because it was some night you know, some things like to this day, I still have issues with remembering certain things because I have been kicked in the head too much, mm. or and I have been hit upside the head with a lot of things, beat in the head. So some things I remember back then, and some things I don't. My God! And some of my short-term memory, you know, it is just it, it. These are things that I will have to deal with for the rest of my life. Okay, let's 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 take a quick break. Uh, we're speaking with Miss Danny Rockmore. Uh, she's a survivor of, of cocaine addiction as well as domestic abuse. And we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Slaying Your Giants, a syndicated podcast brought to you by our sponsor, Dewey's Barbecue Market, a purveyor of fine meats. Texas-style hardwood fire pit barbecue since 1951. We provide hickory-smoked meats prepared in Texas African-American tradition. Dewey's offers whole briskets, hams, 
slabs of ribs, poly sausage, and smoked turkey. We encourage you to visit our website, deweysbarbecuemarket.com, and I'm going to spell that out, D-E-W-E-Y-S-B-B-Q-Market.com. Okay, we're back with Miss Rockmore, and we certainly appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. Uh, this, the, I, I can imagine this can be hard to talk about uh, when you are the one that went through it. So, so okay, so at that point, that day you found that Coke on the counter, you don't do drugs. No, I did not. Not at that time, no, I didn't. Okay, so... So not only is this guy a domestic abuser, he he was your gateway. Yes. Into like I said, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, maybe if I do something of his liking, this would stop him from just about killing me. Yes. Because I mean, I didn't I didn't know anything else what to do. Hmm. But that was not that just like it enabled it more. Me, because at that time I did not realize. Okay, the only way to get away from this is to leave him alone. Okay. In my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, I gotta try to help him. I gotta do some. I gotta figure out something to try to resolve the situation. I think and by the time he had already had me where he wanted to, because yes, I did love. Him. I really did, because he didn't start the abuse or anything like this until a year after. Right, so you had some good days and good times. Yeah, we did. The first couple, the first year was very good. It's just after that, I guess he couldn't hide his true self. I'm, I'm not sure, and it just went downhill from there. Well, and and when a person is is uh, you know strung out on these mind altering chemicals, uh. You know, you can't, it, it, it's hard to predict where that's going to go. Uh, yeah, so, and then, uh, unfortunately, you joined in with him out of solidarity. Uh, boy, and I tell you, it just proves it's a million stories. Because I, I know there are some that haven't gone through this deal like you have that, that wonder why not just get up and leave. Uh, well, it's easier said than done. Yeah, and I know I've it. I've learned a lot, of, a lot of times, a lot of men like that, they don't start the relationship off like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they can be some of the most charming men ever. It's just they don't start it off like that. They wait till they get you in a position to where you've pretty much fallen in love with them and you want what's best for them, then that's how they bring you in and that's how they trap you. Even though, yes, there is size, there's always size a little thing, whether they be big or small, but when, you know how they say, you know, you can be a fool in love sometimes. Sure, sure. By him being older and me younger, he knew exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. Because I hadn't been exposed to anything like that because I didn't even come from a household like that. Mm -hmm. So, that was something different for me. So, so the okay, the 
the madness goes on. And can you talk to us a little bit about uh, how did you extricate yourself from this situation? Uh, you know, I always... Pardon? We dated a little bit longer. We had end up, we end up losing that apartment and we had to move somewhere else. Um, I had gotten worse with the drugs because then by that time I started taking the drugs as a way to try to stop the pain because I hurt it every day because I would either be beaten every day mm. or every other day. Mm. So I resulted in going to the drugs for the pain. Mm. And you know, because the beat the the beans were bad. You know, I've had, had my I had my feet broken and my toes broken, and mm. then I had uh, you know uh, part of my jaw up in my jaw cheekbone line that was broken, and my eyes was busted. Um, I had some teeth knocked out. It was it was a lot of things. So I would do that. Then you know, going to the emergency room, you gotta. I was so terrified. You have to lie because they ask questions. You know what happened, right? You, you lie about it because you're out of fear. Because he did threaten, he threatened me. He threatened people in my family. He did the threat, and it was time. You know, it it was stuff done in public as well. We've been in stores where we've been in the parking lot where he would hit me or stuff. And you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of people do not do anything. There was people all in the parking lot. Nobody did anything. And they just they have it in their mind, you know. Okay, it has nothing to do with me. I'm gonna turn my head. Yeah, yeah. So I was dragged back. That was the first time I tried to get away. I was dragged back. He pulled me back by my hair. He beat me again. I went unconscious. I woke up a couple hours later. Wow. No one did anything. So in order for me to get out of there, it took one of my real close friends I had lost contact with. Um, I had met with her and she came where we were living at then and by that time I was really getting tired I said okay I knew I'm getting tired because the way I had started looking at him I said okay I gotta get out of here otherwise I'm going to be in jail because where my mind is going and what to do right. to defend myself is going to take me to jail but the last time I seen him when we finally broke up we had a big fight you know he was beating me and everything and I just something just came over me and I just picked up something and I had to hit it because if not he was about to stomp my head so hard he would have broke my neck mm. so I had to pick up something to hit him and get away and that was the last time I seen him um, after I left he went on a, a rampage in the city looking for me so I, I hit out with him with my family. I told my family what was going on. And he was looking for me. He went to the extent to where he started befriending some of my family members so he could find out where I was. So I had to not even tell certain family members where I lived at because they would tell him mm. where I was. So I lived in fear for quite some time until I started getting older. I had my daughter. When he found out I had my daughter, he threatened to kill me and my daughter because the child was not his and he was mad. Wow. So I had to adjust my life pertaining to this. So I, I, I mean, I, I left. In 2000, um, let's see, I think it was 2011, I moved away from Fayetteville. 
Okay. I moved away. I had to. I, I had no choice. I had to get away. Well, you. I had my daughter. My daughter was only around about, uh, about four or five at that time. So I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't risk her. Were you, were you still doing drugs at this time? By the time I left him, I, I did it a little bit because I was still in pain. You know, I had went to the doctors and everything like that, and I'm telling them, you know, the pain. They put me on pain medication, but it's like pain medication I was real skeptical about that because that's another drug right and I didn't want to put another drug in here and I'm trying to get off a drug they wanted me to go to the uh, rehab center you know for drug addicts and everything but I don't like the concept of putting me on a one drug to get me off another drug and then I will be addicted to that drug and then you gotta wean me out I don't want to do that right because it causes the troubles no, I, I so, can understand. Like I, I came home to my parents. I came home to my parents. We prayed. We did everything like that. And that's what helped me. That's really what helped me a lot. Well, let so me. My, let, my dad, he was heated. Well, and let me, let me stop you because uh, that's what the show is about. We know that. Uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has come and saved and healed and cleansed a lot of us, millions of us. Uh, there, there are other people that have, you know, recovered from addictions in other ways, and I have more power to you. But uh, what you're describing, you know, is is the same thing that happened to me. Uh, he. Our Father will guide you and show you and lead you, you know, to what is the next best thing to do. So you went home with your parents. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And because I knew, I mean, I I knew how my father's prayers was. It's something about his prayers hmm. that when he prays, it, it just it, it just does something. <laughs> Amen. And Amen. I can always think back in my even when I was going through things and I was on the drugs and I and I was lost, I, I could always call my dad. It didn't matter what time it was, anything, and he would come and he would pray with me and he would tell everybody, "This is not her. She's fighting these demons, and it's not nothing that she brought on herself. She's trying to get out. She's trying to figure out what." And I have to, I have to keep praying with her because. Her calling me and trying to find a way, that's her trying to find her way back to where she needs to go. Amen. Amen. And and the father, you know, we all are different people. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there, he doesn't work it. He can't work it the exact same way for each person. He's going to take you on your own road. And... What, what we need and what we want to encourage you is to have enough courage to step out in faith and follow our Lord. He will lead you out of the darkness just like he, he led Miss Rockmore, just like he led me out. And we just thank God for his concern and his love for us that he, he will not leave us. And never forsake us. And I just I just thank God 
you know, hearing this, that, that, you know, you had sense enough to go home where you, you had a praying father and, and I, I Oh, right. Both of them together, and just like I said, even through all that, I could still hear their prayers in the back of my mind. Like, okay, this is what you got to do. You gonna get through this. You just going through certain times right now, but I can always hear them prayers in the back of my mind. So, I am so glad that you you got out of that. I. You know, as you describe this, uh, I'm from the Dallas area, uh, and it just makes me think of this one situation. I, I I remember following on the news where the lady had had called the cops. She even called uh, the local TV station and mm-hmm. and told her, you know, her. her her husband was gonna kill her, and 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 unfortunately, you know, he did. Even after she had got restraining orders, and and even the the local news station was alerted, but still, he he caught up to her before the system could, you know, adequately protect her. Wow. And so I know this is real. Uh, you know, and I, I just thank God that you found your way out of it. Uh, I did too, and I'm happy that I didn't have my daughter at the time, you know, when everything was going on because I, I sit back and I think about that because I'm like, it could have been so much worse because you do have some men that, you know, they're beating the mothers and they'll take it out on the daughters and my daughter was so young yeah. She's 13 now. Mm-hmm. She was so young at the time where he was trying to find us. And like I said, she's not his child. But because of the anger that's in him and, you know, everything that he had towards me. And I had done nothing to him. It's just It was just the demons that was in him. He wanted to kill me and my daughter. My daughter had nothing to do with it. It was just the anger that was in him. And... And, you know, I had to, I had to separate myself because I had to be a mother. I had to protect my daughter. Sure. So I had to move away. I had to move away. I mean, he still, you know, he still will find me. He's passed away now. Um, he's, he, you know, up until the time he died, he still was trying to contact me. He still was trying to contact me. And I did. I spoke to him one time years later. About couple years ago before he passed away and he was talking to me he was still in denial about everything and then he would turn around and say well I had my reasons doing that I said well you know what I said um yeah you had your reasons away I said but I forgave you a long time ago you know I said I know to stay away from you I said but I didn't forgive you for you I said I forgave you for myself I had to be within myself. In order for me to be able to move on and heal within myself, I had to forgive you. Because, you know, even though I won't forget, but I still have to forgive. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm glad. I forgave him, and it it still ate him up. He got mad, and I said, well, you know what, you know, I hope that whatever is going on with you, you know, you 
get through it or get some help for it. I said, again, like I told you, I forgave you. And I had left him alone, and I, I hadn't heard from him again until someone called me and said he had gotten a disease and gotten sick and passed away. Hmm. Well, praise God that you made it through uh, and escaped from a life-threatening situation because any one of those nights uh, could have, you know, escalated beyond anything, you know, that both y'all were prepared for. So, uh, so now you 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 had gone back home, and I think the Lord is dealing with you, and you, you know, trying to show you what 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 were your thoughts? How did you get back going into? into more of a normal life, you know, w- with your daughter. After I came back, uh, I didn't go to rehab or anything like that. I came home to my parents' house, and I got myself clean. I say it took me about three and a half, four months, and that was the worst times. And I told my parents, because they were going to take me to the emergency room, because they didn't understand, you know, what was going on and everything, and I told them I actually wanted to go through the feeling of detoxing and sobering and, and going through the transition of becoming clean so I can remember it. So it would teach me, okay, this you came from and this one you do not need to go back to. So I remember that pain of becoming clean like yesterday. It was aches and pains over my body and then, you know, the times that I was beaten and I was, you know, doing the drugs and didn't feel it. I felt everything because my body was transitioning. So I, I felt everything and that's what I wanted because still to this day, I still think about it and that's my driving point to keep me from going back that way and keep going forward because I remember those pains. I remember what I went through to come off of it. That's motivated me to get back going I had um, I got me a good job I had got my life to, it, it took time it took slowly but surely but it happened Right. but by me remembering what I had went through that kept me from going back and I haven't been back since amen amen and I tell you that pain is a is a great motivator and uh mm-hmm. You know, it, it's been my experience. I hadn't seen a lot of addicts uh, that, you know, I've known people over the years whose parents will pay for the insurance and buy them cars and all while they, you know, full-time drug addicts. And I'd wonder how come this person can see that they have no uh, motivation to change anything. Uh, because that their life is going along great, and mm-hmm. and that that pain, uh, you know, that skin being burnt off your butt, uh, you know, you could stick your hand in that fire, you know, they don't have to tell you, you know, a whole bunch of times, uh, and and we can remember these things, and they they uh, they do act as a a boundary, if you will, because I don't want to get back into that. Right, I do not. I remember it. And, and those were, those days were dark for me. Yeah. I, I call those, those the dark days. Yeah. You know, because I was lost. 
Well, I, I, uh, it's funny. We have a lot in common. I, I, I call them the same thing. I've got certain days that I remember from all the rest, uh, that were just, uh, you know, just really dark, uh, for different reasons. The show's not about me, but I know exactly what you mean. And that's why I always refer to leaving the darkness and entering the marvelous light mm-hmm. where there is life. And, and it's, it's better on the other side. It is, you know, it, being lost in, in the dark is not a good feeling. No. You know, and then, and then you're mad with everyone when you're really, your anger is di- needs to be directed elsewhere, but everybody around you is you're just mad, you know. And and how long, you know, do you need to keep wallowing in this darkness? You know, it I'm one of those people I like variety in life. And and I I, I used to tell myself that and use tried to use that. because, uh, uh, you know, I was at that point where I would try anything, you know, even God. Uh-huh. And that's what worked for me. But I certainly remember, you know, those dark days that you speak of. And now let's, okay, let's talk about now. Okay, you got a good job. And and how did you get into designing clothes? Well, what I had, you know, growing up in school and everything, I always talked about it. I always talked about it. Me and my friends in middle school and high school, we always used to talk about, you know, we're going to have our own clothing. You know how little teenagers Yeah, right. Yeah, we yeah. Our own, our own little dreams that we talked about. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, when all that happened, it kind of was brushed out of my mind. But I came back to it. Okay. I came back to it afterwards. So I started that. And, you know, I started it in 2009. That's the same year my mom had passed away. Okay. So I was coming... My daughter was born in 2005, so 2009, that wasn't that far away from there, and then just fully getting recovered from everything, and then losing my mom, and then doing all this, that was a way for me to keep, because I'm like, okay, I'm going through this devastation right now, we're losing my mom, and I don't want to go back, you know, because certain things can't make you relapse, I didn't want to do that. So I use that, the designing, and then I, I can also, you know, pay tribute to my mom, and I just named my business after her. So that kept me motivated to not go back, but to continue to move forward. That's right. That's so right. all together to keep me on a positive note. And I started designing clothing and just all kinds of things. And still to this day, that's what I do. I got into the acting, just different things because of my personality. I, You know, I like to have fun. All right. I'm a very fun person. I think laughing is good for everybody. Okay. It's good for the soul. Smiling is, um, you can change someone's day with a smile. That's right. That's right. So, I, you know, that's just the type of person I am. So designing gives me a way to show my what I'm feeling into my clothing. Uh, well, I 
I can understand that. I'm glad you have that. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you uh, to take a moment. This is this is a, not a hard question, but but I would like for you to imagine uh, the addicted person, the person who uh, is in a relationship that involves domestic violence. And uh, because I, I almost feel certain there are several listening. And I'd like for you to, uh, to hear what would you say to them if they are, are caught up in it right now. I would tell them to get out right now because there's only two, you, you can only survive or be killed in the, those type of situations. If you have a support system or people that have your back where you can go somewhere and they will fend for you, I advise anyone to get out of it because those type of situations they can only get worse. Right. That they, they, can only, they can only get worse. And if you have children, you have to be mindful of your children as well because children pick up on things like this, especially young boys. Because young boys, if they're in a home where they see their father or a male figure in that home doing the same exact thing, a lot of young boys tend to pick up on that same behavior and carry it on into their teens and their adulthood and they end up doing the same thing. Some of them do, some of them don't. Then you have, you know, you got your young girl, girls in the home that they're going to be looking for men of a certain way and then when they see a man that does that to her or another woman, because they grew up around it, they're going to think it's okay. Yeah, they write it home. Uh, yeah, they're going to think it's okay when it's not. That's why I tell a lot of people, even the places that I go speak at, at certain events and certain clinics and stuff, I tell people, if you have children, you have to be mindful. Don't do it for yourself. Do it for your kids because your children are watching. Yes. They're watching everything that you do. So what you make them feel like is okay, they're going to adapt to that. Well, I appreciate. So I would advise anyone to, you know, Remove yourself if you can. If you can't, try to figure out. You know, I know some people don't have the support system and everything. And when it comes with, with law enforcement, sometimes they do take their time because I had to, had to deal with them too. Sometimes they don't act as soon as they should. Yeah, I, I uh, unfortunately know a couple of sad stories like that of real life people. Uh, Mm-hmm. And this is why I wanted to have you as a guest today. Uh, I certainly uh, appreciate your candor and, you know, the 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 things you went through with that uh, are just mind boggling. And I'm so glad that, you know, you came out on the other end uh, whole and and you know healed and and delivered from drug addiction look at all that you have gone through and been delivered of you know been been 
been healed of. Yeah, it's it's uh it. I mean, I just want to give glory to God, uh, for you and for me and for all the others that he has protected and camped his warring angels around you and got you through this particular night or that particular night uh, that nobody else will ever know about but you know yeah. and you were there and I just uh, I've enjoyed uh, this time to talk to you because I know that it will inspire and help someone else who's not as far along as you are. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't. I, a lot of people. I've had a lot of people say, "Why do you keep talking about? It? Why do you feel?" I said, "Because if I could just help one person, then I know I have done something. If I could just help one person, I said, you never know who may be going through the same thing you're going through." that's scared to talk about it. But if they hear the same story and they hear the similarities of the, the situation you have been in versus what they're going through, that can help them open their eyes to get out or do what they have to do. That's yeah. why I tell people, if, don't be ashamed of your testimony. That's, that's what made you who you are today. You have to go through things that you got to understand and be praiseful of what you have overcome. Because it's a lot, it's so many women out here, they're not even here to talk about any of this. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like they say in church, without test, there's no testimony. Exactly. Amen. And, you know, we, we, uh, are, you know, it's one of the things I, I know is, is, you know, good and true about, you know, the 12 step programs, the sharing, of your experience, strength, and hope will uh, help someone and affect someone and you'll never even know them or never even meet them. But it takes, you know, what what man and the devil meant towards you as evil and it flips that situation around. And that's what the Bible said. God will use that to bless you and others. Yes. So. It sure will. We are going to wrap this episode up. And we have, you know, just had an awesome time. We thank our guest, Miss Danny Rockmore, uh, for being here and providing inspiration We'd also like to thank all the listeners and a special shout out, by the way, to our international listeners. Uh, I was looking at some of the metrics the other day and and we had some people listening in R- the Russian Federation, in Turkey, uh, in Brazil, in Italy, England. So uh, to all my international listeners, you guys keep coming back. And... We'd just like to bring to your attention that the podcast is brought to you by Prodigal Sons Ministry. We ask that if you can to, you know, make a small contribution to help with the equipment and to keep the show on the air. 
We also have a community on Patreon.com. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You go there and search for me, King David Haynes, and join our community as a patron of the show. And it will help us to bring more varied guests and to keep improving on our production. Thank you all. Uh, God willing, we'll be here again next week with another episode of Slaying Your Giants. And for Miss Danny Rockmore, Miss Rockmore. Yeah. Uh, I, I almost neglected now. What what if a person uh, you design clothes now? What if a person uh, had a plus size, you know, d- design they wanted you to work on? Did do you have contact information that yes. you'd like to put out there? Yes, they can contact. My website is twelve forty six design twelve forty six with a Z dot com. They can they can go there. It has all my contact information, my phone number, my email, my social handles, everything. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Danny Rockmore. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Danny Rockmore. Um, all my contact information is everywhere. Everywhere. Well, all right. My website, I have it listed up there with everything. My email, my phone number, everything. Okay, give us that website one more time. One two four six designs D E S I G N Z. It's got a Z at the end instead of an S. Dot com. Twelve forty six designs. Dot com. All right, all right, and we we wish you uh, continued success. Uh, we thank you once again for your time, and and just God bless you and your daughter and the rest of your family. Enjoy Thanksgiving that's coming up. Okay, and and God willing, we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Slaying Your Giants. Thank you.